0: Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the Snowman. Folks, today I want to talk to you about one of the most important days in the calendar year, and that is Easter. The story of Easter is fascinating. To those who truly understand, it's a day of Thanksgiving and celebrating the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and conquered sin. To those who don't understand it, it's about a giant bunny who does something with candy-coated eggs and hiding them and people running around finding them. Uh, That, you know, that is something I've never understood. How the heck did a bunny rabbit get to be associated with Easter? I, I mean, of all things, why A bunny rabbit. I mean, he's no cousin of Bugs Bunny. I hope. I just have never understood it. Though I did like the depiction of him in the movie Rise of the Guardians where he's an Australian jackrabbit. Voiced by Hugh Jackman. I mean, that was just, that was really well done and very clever. But, the Easter bunny has nothing to do with Easter. I'm just flat out saying it. (laughs) it is unfortunate that it has taken center stage and usurped even into some churches celebrations. Now I want to make this very clear. I'm not knocking churches for doing Easter egg hunts and uh, letting the kids do all that type of stuff. I I think that's fantastic. Providing though that the true story of Easter is told to them. So they understand that the Easter bunny is a total farce and has nothing to do with the real events of the celebration. And the story of Easter is so remarkable that I marvel at anyone who reads it and cannot be moved even the slightest. To those people, I get I gotta give props. I mean it is it is so moving that what that story is about that if you can read it and remain as hard-minded as you might be that that's very surprising because it is on a different level of importance Um, so those of you listening I'm sure you already know the real story but there might be a few listeners who don't so indulge me a little bit and let's take a trip back in time 2,000 plus years ago, and visit the greatest man ever to be born in the history of the world. By the time he completed his ministry on earth, Jesus had fulfilled what the prophets had said multiple times already. But one of the most incredible fulfillments takes place throughout Easter weekend, and that is from Isaiah chapter 53. And it starts in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those are pretty graphic words, wouldn't you say? I mean, what does that mean? He was uh, despised and rejected by mankind. What does it mean that he was uh, that he took up our pain and bore our suffering? That so many consider him punished by God, stricken by God. He was pierced for our transgressions, by his wounds we are healed. What what does all this mean? And why are we compared to sheep? I mean, these are all questions that you can ask from just four verses. You really do have to wonder what all that means. Isaiah wrote this 700 years prior to Christ's birth. So, for 700 years, people are like, What in the heck is he talking about? I mean, you can sort of see a bunch of... Old Jewish timers sitting around doing something. I'm not sure what. They, don't, they weren't chewing tobacco, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, but they were just like, what does that mean? I don't know. What do you think it means? And just going around in a circle and then no one has the answer. Jesus had the answer because he fulfilled what Isaiah prophesied. So to really drive it home, I want to give you a first-person perspective of the events surrounding Good Friday and through Easter. And I'd like to read to you an article I wrote a few years ago from Peter's perspective. This perspective of Peter, I felt led to write, and I'm very humbled that God would allow me to interpret and write it down for others to read and to hear. Um... It's got some graphic stuff in it, but the story of Easter in its true form is extremely graphic. So, I hope that this will help you maybe see it from a different perspective as opposed to just watching it in movies or reading it in the Bible. It's, it's, it's a... it's a bit of a heavy topic, so let's. I'll just uh, get into it. And I will be very open to hearing what you guys have to say about it in the uh, future. If you want to just come up and chat with me or if you know how to reach me, I'm always open to hearing what you guys have to say about it. So here we go with Peter's perspective. The rooster crowed. Instantly, I turned and ran out of the courtyard into the empty street. I just kept running and running. Then I tripped over a loose stone and fell, cutting myself. But I didn't care. I got up and kept running. Finally, I came upon an alleyway where I collapsed and began sobbing uncontrollable tears. I couldn't get the way he looked at me out of my mind. He simply looked up when the rooster crowed and his gaze pierced my soul. I remember how I had said to him earlier in the evening that I would never deny him. I had even said I'd die with him if that were to be the case. But in the end, I had done exactly as he had said. Before the rooster crowed, I would deny him three times. How could I have done this to my Lord and my God? I had broken his heart, abandoning him in his most trying hour. How could I even call myself a man? I awoke a few hours later. It took me a second to realize what had happened since the time I have drifted off to sleep. But instead of feeling sorrow and despair, I somehow felt renewed. I knew that what I had done had been sinful and worthy of death, but now I felt alive and forgiven somehow. Standing up, I stretched and realized the street outside was jam-packed with people and there was a lot of yelling going on. Confused by this spectacle... I walked to the edge of the alley. I asked a man standing there, Hey, what wh- what's going on? I've heard the Romans are leading three men to be crucified, and one of them is the prophet from Nazareth, the one called Jesus. I could barely believe my ears. Wh- why was he condemned to die? Beats me. All I know is that I was coming here for the Passover, and the whole city is up in arms against the man. I'm not from around here, so I don't know what they have against him. Look, here they come now. We looked down the street and saw two men carrying heavy crosses on their shoulders, Romans clearing a path for them. I didn't recognize either the first two, but then I saw the third man. I couldn't believe what I saw. The man was soaked in blood. A crown of nasty thorns was pressed into his head, and his beard was partially gone. The tunic he wore used to be white, but now was bright red from all the blood. He struggled mightily with the cross he was being forced to carry, and as he got in front of me and the stranger, he fell to the ground, gasping for air. The Roman centurion swore, By Jupiter! Then he looked over in our direction. Shoving his way through the crowd, he looked at the stranger. What's your name? Simon of Cyrene. You look strong enough. Carry this man's cross so we can get there faster. This crowd is making me and my men uneasy, and you know how we Romans don't like feeling that way. Simon nodded. Then, looking at me for a brief second, he followed the centurion through the crowd and lifted the cross off the man lying in the street. I still hadn't seen Jesus. Simon had said three men were being crucified and that Jesus was one of them. Then the realization hit me. The man soaked in blood was Jesus. Oh my God, I cried out. Why had they done this to him? I couldn't understand as they passed me by with the rest of the city following along. We walked to the base of a gnarly looking hill. It was the Romans' favorite place to execute prisoners for it let the whole city see. By the time I got there I could hear the screams of the two criminals being nailed to their crosses. The crowd had grown silent as the screams continued. But then we heard the sound of more spikes being pounded by hammers, but no cries of pain. Twelve times we heard the chilling sound of metal hitting metal. Then after a few moments they raised the three crosses for the people to see. A mixture of emotions ran through the crowd. Some cheered. Some openly wept. A few even laughed. I looked up at my friend. I didn't know what emotion to express. Anger or sorrow? How could they be doing this to a man whose sole ambition was to bring light to this dark world? Now hung naked, nailed to a cross, barely able to move, I couldn't understand. I then saw Simon walking down from the hill, visibly quite shaken at the events that had occurred. Simon, I called him. Looking my way, he made his way over to me. I can't believe what he said. What? After they finished nailing him to the cross, he spoke just barely audible, yet I heard him, even though I was several yards away. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I couldn't comprehend what that meant. I looked back at Jesus as he languished on the cross and realized that even though he was now suffering unimaginable pain, he still asked God to forgive those who had done this to him. He asked God to forgive me. It was too much without speaking another word to Simon. I turned and walked away, my mind spinning. I just couldn't comprehend anything to make sense anymore. I just knew I had to get away from there. Three days later. Sitting underneath the window, I stared blankly at the floorboards. Jesus had been dead for three days then Mary had come in a couple of hours ago saying that his body was gone John and I instantly got up and ran to the tomb in which he had been buried and saw that she had spoken the truth John believed that he had risen but I wasn't sure I mean it was possible I guess I had seen Jesus raise a young girl from the dead then there was Lazarus he had been dead for four days and yet Jesus still raised him from the dead but that was Jesus doing it how could he raise himself It was a lot to think about, and I still needed some time to do so. Standing up, I walked over to the water pitcher where John also stood deep in thought. Grabbing the ladle, I lifted it to my lips and drank the water. When I put the ladle back in the pitcher and turned, I saw Jesus standing in front of me no more than a foot away from me. (laughs) With a smile, he said, Peace be with you. Jumping almost to hit the ceiling, I shook my head and rubbed my eyes. After readjusting them, I looked and Jesus was still standing there with a big smile on his face. Then, with adoration filling my soul, I fell to my knees and worshipped him. John and the others did the same. Jesus then extended his hand out to me and I took it. I saw the nail mark in it as well as his feet. I did this for you, you know. I did it for the whole world, both those present and those yet to come. You will be a pillar in teaching others about me, Pete. You will be solid and durable even when hard times come. You will remain strong. An unexplainable joy filled my soul as he spoke those words, and any confusion, doubt, or sorrow that had been in my mind now vanished. Yes, Lord, was all I could say. Jesus then laughed and embraced me with a big bear hug. I hugged him back, tears of joy running down my face. I had been redeemed. So think about it, the hours leading throughout Good Friday. Jesus, the man who had preached about the coming kingdom of God, healed the sick, brought sight to the blind, made the lame walk again and perform more miracles than anyone had ever seen. The man who had brought hope and light and the promise of peace into a dark world was dead. A man who had done no wrong was betrayed and falsely accused and had been sentenced to die a death reserved only hardened criminals deserved, crucifixion. The most agonizing and humiliating kind of death known to man at the time and quite possibly still today. Jesus had described how he would die rather stealthily to Nicodemus in their private conversation noted in John 3:14 14-15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Crucifixion was meant to humiliate the victim in their final hours. Jesus had suffered for six hours before giving up his life. When he did so, the centurion in charge declared he truly was the Son of God. As you heard in the narrative, Jesus' disciples were heartbroken. Their leader and Savior was dead. What were they to do now? They had counted on Jesus to lead them forever. Despite the fact he had told them what was going to happen multiple times, they never let his words sink in. After his death, he'd been taken down from the cross and laid in a rich man's tomb. There was little time to prepare the body for burial due to the Jewish Sabbath rules, so as soon as the Sabbath had ended, several women walked to the tomb to anoint their master's body. They knew they would have to get past the guards, but they were going to be leaving later that day anyway as their orders had only been to stay there for three days. Yet as the women approached, they noticed something was off. As in, the stone was off. Actually, it wasn't off. It had been rolled away. Some might even say it had been blown outward. They hurried to the entrance and carefully walked inside. They had only been in there a few moments when suddenly two angels shining as bright as the sun appeared before them. The women bowed their heads as they didn't know what to do or say. Then one of the angels said something that truly baffled them, even more so. He asked a question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is now risen. Just as he said. Imagine what is going through those women's minds at that moment. Probably a whole bunch of things. Flabbergasted. They ran from the tomb and went to tell the other disciples. After the women had told them what had happened, they didn't believe them. However, Peter and John ran to the tomb to see if it was true or not. John was quite fit and easily overtook Peter and reached the tomb first. But scripture is very clear that he stopped at the entrance. Peter shoved his way past and entered the tomb. He looked around but saw no sign of Jesus' body anywhere. John then believed what the women had said and knew that Jesus had risen. Peter, on the other hand, just turned back to go where the others had remained, unsure of what to think. Mary Magdalene had returned with them and after they had departed she remained behind weeping. She then heard a voice behind her asking why she was weeping. She turned and saw a man in the shadows of the trees and thought he must be the gardener. Through her tears she replied, because they have taken away my Lord. She asked for where his body was that she could take it back, but then the gardener stepped into the light and she saw that it was none other than Jesus himself. She ran to embrace him but he stopped her as he had not yet ascended to his father, but he told her to go and tell the others and that he would be with them all soon. And that's where my narrative ended a few minutes ago. I'm sure you've all heard the saying, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The military uses this a lot, especially during wartime. But it was Jesus who showed us the ultimate gift by laying his life down for the world. He did so out of love. He called you friend before you even knew his name. When someone thinks of a friend, they think of someone they have a good time with, enjoying conversation and the like. Jesus wants to share that with you. He doesn't care what you've done. As long as you believe in him, your sins are forgiven. You no longer have to fear death because he took the keys of death away from Satan once and for all. Jesus awaits you with open arms. Don't laugh at all and say, I'm too far gone. For not even the thief on the cross next to him was too far gone. He believed in Jesus And Jesus met him in heaven. It makes you ask the question, who was he? This man who left his kingdom to come to our abode. A man who came not to settle any quarrel with anyone, but brought only love to every single one of us. We, who deserve only hell and damnation for our sins. But... This man loved us so much that even though we were sinners, this means you, me, everybody. He loved us enough to take upon himself the sins of the world. That means every single person that was living at the time, every single person living today, and those not yet born, all of us were born into sin. But this man took upon himself our sins anyway. He died the most agonizing death. He died that you might live. However, and I've said this already a couple of times, the story doesn't end there. Three days later, something big happened. This man called Jesus Christ arose from the dead. He conquered the grave and ascended into heaven where he waits today for us all. That means no matter what you have done in your life, nothing can stop God from loving you. He is waiting for you with open arms. All you have to do is embrace Him. However, He leaves that choice up to you. It's hard to fathom someone doing that for us, in my mind. You don't think a total stranger would just be like, Hey, I've never met you, but I'm going to die for you anyway. But Jesus isn't a total stranger. He knows us intimately. He created us. He is part of the Trinity. He was there before time began. And he wants us to celebrate eternity with him. That's why he came down and saved us. It was hard for the Jews to think at the time because they thought that Messiah was coming to liberate them from the Romans. But Jesus was very clear. He was not there to liberate them from the Romans. He was there to liberate them from sin. And he did that through his death. But he defeated death through his resurrection. God raised him from the dead. I get chills just even thinking about what that would have looked like. I mean, imagine the glory of God that night or that morning when light shone from the tomb and burst forth, terrifying the soldiers on guard duty. I mean, <laughs> that is just remarkable. Y- you are. Literally, at a loss for words, no other religion has something like this in their history or writings. Not Hinduism, not Buddhism, not Islam, not Judaism. Judaism, you think, oh yeah, they they talk about this. No, they don't believe in Jesus. A lot of people have the misconception that if they're Jewish, that means they're already saved. No. The only way you are saved is if you put your faith fully into Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior. It is a shame that so many people disregard Easter for what it is. They don't give it enough credit. They don't give it enough thought. And that's that's unfortunate on their end. Um, it's unfortunate because they're missing out. They're still lost. God wants them to be redeemed. He is right there for them. It's up to us as Christians to witness to them, to share with them the story of Christ's sacrifice and the story of Christ's resurrection. It is imperative that we do so because God called us to do it. We are the light of the world. We are his messengers. He gave us the great commission, just as he gave the disciples and those around him when he ascended into heaven. He gave us the same commission when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. It's it's mind-boggling. I mean, I really don't know how else to say it. I I would like to end, though, there is a song that is another perspective of Peter sung by Don Francisco. And he's a great balladeer of Christian uh, songs and hymns. He was really popular, I think, in the 70s, 80s, maybe 90s. He's not been as uh, center-focused in uh, the last 15 years or so compared to other artists. But he has a song called He's Alive, and I just want to play for you the last portion of it because it is so poignant, and it is just celebrating Christ's resurrection, celebrating that death has been defeated, celebrating that our sins are forgiven, celebrating that we have hope to live in eternity with Christ. So I hope that you give time to think about the real meaning of Easter. You can read about Easter in the four Gospels at the end of each of the books is where Easter is naturally covered because it covers Jesus' life. And naturally, Easter takes place at the supposed end of his life. But then we know what happens, of course. So I highly encourage you to read that. And... Sort of shifting back to the beginning part of the podcast where I uh, share with you that passage from Isaiah. Through hearing the story and reading the story for yourself, you will now be able to see what those words meant. Because Christ's death on the cross was everything that Isaiah had talked about. He was despised and rejected by man. He was humiliated. He received stripes on his back. Those were the That was the flogging that he received before um, being crucified. It, it's all there. Jesus was there to take the sins of the world for you and for me. I can't stress that enough. Now, we'll mess up. We'll mess up a lot. But God's love is unending. But if we have repentant hearts, we can have hope and faith in Christ that we have still been redeemed we must always strive for Christ and we must always live for Christ he lives in us now through the Holy Spirit it is just <laughs> I i don't know what else to say I really don't but I really just wanted to share with you how much Easter truly means to me I mean I sometimes have, in past and throughout my life, been, like, a lot of you have been like, eh, it's Easter, Resurrection Day, yay, whatever. But it just seems a little bit more poignant nowadays. And that's because I've grown in maturity and realizing the importance of it. So I hope that as the song takes you out of this podcast and you go about the rest of your day, that you just pick up the Bible and read about Jesus' sacrifice for you. Because it'll change your life. It will literally change your life. But it will be always for the better. (laughs) Yep, so that's what I got for you, folks. I pray that you will find Christ as your cornerstone and that you will let him guide you for the rest of your life. I sk- Thank you for listening to that episode of the Snowman Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. You can subscribe via iTunes or Spotify. Just type in the Snowman Podcast and look for a snowman with the American flag in the background. So until next time, this is the Snowman saying, uh, see you now, yeah.